Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, 2017, and we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, How It Works. We're on page 58, and we'll be reading the first paragraph. Today's readers are Sally A. for the 12 Steps, Anita L. for the 12 Traditions, and for the text, we have Lisa H. Um, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, I missed the reference number. The reference numbers for Monday, June the 19th, the 7 a.m. meeting are 10054, and for the 10 a.m. meeting, 10056. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sally A. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Lynn S. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. Recovering in New York. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and step 12 having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs pass thank you sally a and nita l will read the 12 traditions good morning everybody this is anita l from outside of philadelphia the 12 traditions one our common welfare should come first personal recovery depends upon oa unity two for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving god as he may express himself in our group conscience our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern three the only requirement for oa membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively four each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or oa as a whole five each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers six an oa group ought never endorse finance or lend the oa name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money property and prestige divert us from our primary purpose seven every oa group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions eight overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers nine oa as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve 10 overeaters anonymous has no opinion on outside issues hence the oa name ought never be drawn into public controversy 11 our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press radio and films 12 anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities thank you and with that i pass have a great day and thank you anita l how our meeting works our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of alcoholics anonymous we read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our big book study of the big book on page 58, first paragraph. And I will now ask Lisa H. to read that for us and sharing on that first paragraph. 
Good morning. This is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered, Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. Chapter 5, How It Works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Um, Again, this is Lisa H. and delighted to be um, of service this morning reading about how it works. And the two things that really spoke to me this morning, um, the first word was thoroughly. Um, And, you know, of course, I have to look it up. And it says painstakingly marked by full detail and carried through to completion. Um, And and once I had um, put down the food and started um, being guided through this big book and through the steps um, with someone in whom the problem had been solved, um, I, I was painstaking about working through these steps. Um, I didn't want to rush through them. I wanted to be sure that I had covered all this ground, that I had, you know, cleaned up the past so that I could be unblocked. Um, I always thought I had a relationship with a higher power, but today being recovered for some time um the 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 daily being in the day um is completely different um obviously not being in the food anymore the second thing um that spoke to me this morning is the word honest um and it's used in three different ways in this paragraph um the first one is incapable of being honest with themselves The second one is demands rigorous honesty. Um, And the last one is, is they have the capacity to be honest. And when I was um, covered up in the food, I, I didn't even understand what honesty meant. Um, Honesty means free of deceit. It means to be sincere and truthful, um, to be uncomplicated and marked by integrity. Um, And I was always amazed by people that could be, I could have that rigorous honesty. I've been married to a recovered person for a long time, and he had that capacity to be rigorously honest. And that was one of the things I took on early. You know, when I found you all, this group of people that could could completely identify with what I had done with food, where I was in my life, how I had behaved, um, the, the similarities are, are so much more than the differences. Um, that that it became a no-brainer to look at every area of my life, not just with the food, all of my relationships, my behavior, um, with rigorous honesty. I even remember when I was making amends to my husband, I said, I know I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I've, I'm going to do it with as much rigorous honesty as I possibly can. Um, and I want to continue to um, to be that way today. You know, the... Those three things, to trust God, clean up the past, and help others. And I want to do that 
with as much integrity and honesty as I possibly can. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Lisa H. We'll now open the floor for people who would like to share on what was read. Kim J. Lady. Okay, I'm sorry. I heard everybody at once, and the only two people I got were Leia D and Kim G. So can you try Larry? Tina S. Amy G. Okay, this is who I have. Let's go with this. I have Leia D, Kim G, Larry K, Harlan G, and Tina S. So let's go with that group first. Leia, can you start us off, please? Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hi, good morning. It's Leia D. Recovered from Brooklyn. I'm a member of this group for 43 years. So for 41 years, every Overeaters Anonymous meeting started with rarely have we seen a person fail. And somehow that's where they started in the middle and never beginning. So you, you say this now, and my eyes roll, and my head goes, oh, no, not again. Because I thought, because I remembered that, and I memorized that, and I've got it tattooed, and I can do it, I thought that was my recovery. And over and over and over again, rarely have we seen a person fail. Rarely have we seen a person fail. And why was I a chronic relapser? Didn't I remember the words? Didn't I memorize them? Didn't I understand them? Didn't I have it together? I did. And yes, I walked in here at the ripe young age of 22 and did have seven years of back-to-back weight and measured recovery. Gray sheet was the plan. But that's all I had. I had the words tattooed. Rarely have we seen a person fail. Rarely have we seen a person fail. And I was one of those rarely ones who kept picking up after losing it. I used to tell people that I've got emotional and spiritual recovery, but I can't get the food abstinence. I just can't get it together. I can't get it together. I have to get over being resentful about this chapter. I hear it and I cringe. I kind of want the words in a new language, but I have to have a new look at the words and know that I am recovered today. And I do treat this book like the Holy Grail because it's the truth. As written, as written, I am grateful for the rooms, the recovery, and I will get to learn that these words are gentle. 42 years, over and over again, these words resonate, and I thought I failed every time. I knew the words. Why couldn't I get the recovery? With that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Have a great day. Thank you, Leah D. Kim G., you're up, and Larry K., you'll be next. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim J. Amory. Recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And if I'm not mistaken, I, Harlan will correct me, I'm sure. I think it originally said followed our directions, and it was changed to path. But I heard this recently in an AA talk where someone said that his, his personal experience is rarely has he seen a person thoroughly follow the path. And that's been my experience, too. You know, I have to tell you, for the first 17 years in a way, it was a combination of hearing very confusing opinions about what the 12 steps are, but a lot of it was me wanting to do it my own way. And six and a half years ago, when I was truly defeated, and I have to tell you, I didn't think the steps were going to work for me because I had been in trying to do this step work, you know, in my own way for 17 years. Why would this be different? And someone confronted me with my arrogance, and they said to me, you think you're so special? This, this big book, these, these specific directions have worked for 80 years. Nothing has that needed to be changed. 
It's worked for alcoholics. It's worked for drug addicts. It's worked for food addicts. It's worked for gamblers. And you think you're so gosh darn special, it won't work for you? So I have to tell you, I dared the steps to work. And I had to question everything. I had to question and face all my prejudices of what I thought a 12-step program was. And let me assure you, when I followed, followed the precise, specific directions in this book, I got the precise, specific results that I was promised. And I have to tell you again, my experience now, six and a half years of working with people, especially working with people who have relapsed after going through the steps, the first question I say is, what are you currently doing? Well, I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. And I said, okay, well, what does that look like on a daily basis? And I have to tell you, eight out of 10 times, people can't even describe what 10, 11, and 12 is, let alone what's doing, what they're, what, if they're doing it. And that's comforting to me. Because I've never talked to someone who is actively engaged in 10, 11, and 12 who has relapsed. I've seen a lot of people who get disengaged from the steps and relapse. And the last thing I'm going to say is that also, too, I see many, many, many people who want to sponsor. But I see very, very few that actually want to be sponsored. Because my experience, and I see that reflected in others, it's the I wanted relief but I didn't want to do the work. I wanted the degree, but I didn't want to take any classes. And let me tell you, my personal experience, again, is when I have thoroughly followed this path, I have experienced freedom, freedom from the mental obsession one day at a time for over six and a half years. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Larry Kay, it's your turn. And Harlan G., you'll be next. Uh, thanks so much. Um, Larry Kay, thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. The, um, just to piggyback on what Kim said, um, I think it's important. You know, when, we, when, I, when I look, I'll just focus on the one word. What is the path? What path are we following? The word path. I think it, it's really important to note there's a big difference between the fellowship and the program. Both are, are important. But let's, let's not fool ourselves. The fellowship, you know, the meetings. We show up here most mornings. You know, the interaction with other people in the, in the fellowship. You know, it, it, it's, you know this, this interaction is a group of, of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other. But that's the fellowship. And it's critically important. But it's not the program. The program is the steps. That's the path. And it's, it's, it's stated in the big book. It's a group of principles, spiritual in nature, which if I practice them as a way of life, can expel the obsession to eat. And it can enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. So I've got to understand this then. And it's, it's very incorrect uh, to be at a, a meeting and say, for me, if I say, I, you know, I've been in program six months, six years, 20 years, but it, it doesn't seem to be working for me. If you haven't gotten into working all of the steps in sequence, that's the path. That's the program of action. No matter how long you've been dry, you're only in the fellowship. You're not in the program. And I know that we hear the expression in the program all the time. But I, but I, I must say that it, that it's often misused. If we look at um, 
you know, Roman numeral um, 13, um, it says we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. So, you know, those are people that have followed the path. We put the food down 100%. We invite, if someone says, well, when do I start these steps? I don't know. When do you want to get better? Oh, oh, you want to get better now? Yeah, let's start them now. You know, you need two or three days, maybe five days on, you know, at, at the, at the outside of it all to get so, you know, to put, uh, to clear up your, your mind and start on these steps. Bill Wilson did it right away. Dr. Bob right away. Bill Dotson right away. That's the path. The difference between fellowship and program. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry K. Harlan G., it's your turn. And Tina S., you'll be next. Thank you very much, uh, Lynn, for your service. And thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm sweltering to death in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here. Um, it's only to be about 119 today. This paragraph, this chapter, has a whole history unto itself that we don't have time to go into, unfortunately. But there are uh, special editions. I know I did one and others have done them on this chapter where there's a whole history here. But what is he talking about here? What, what is he referring to when he's talking about honesty? Is he talking about cash register honesty? Yeah. And the easy answer to what is he talking about being honest about, well, everything, that's a good answer. But what he's really talking about here is the capacity to be honest about the fact that I am a compulsive overeater. I am powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. Because he knows that we have gone through the first four chapters ostensibly and the doctor's opinion, and the depth at which we will absorb the doctor's opinion will mark the urgency with which we will work the rest of the steps. We're at step three when we come to this chapter. But unless we have steps one and two in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, then we will not see the need to do this work. We're about to come up on steps three and four, the most misunderstood steps. Four will be the first action step. But what the purpose of this chapter originally was, was not just to tell us how the program works. That's part of it, yes. But it is to clean up, shore up, close up the loopholes that the alcoholics were jumping through in the original six-step program that we'll get to later in, in this week. Notice the language in this paragraph. There is no ambiguity here. This is absolute language. This is language of absolute parameter of being honest with yourself. Their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And again, honest about what? That I am a compulsive overeater. 
where I see people hesitating in these steps, three and four, it's because they do not have one and two down in their heart. Once I have agreed with myself, once I have accepted, not agreed, once I have accepted to the depths and bowels of my soul that I am constitutionally incapable of beating this illness of myself, then I'm going to be constitutionally able to be honest and say, I need this help. I can't do this alone. Step two, am I willing? Do I believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? Time, please. And I'm going to wrap up with that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harlan G. Tina S., it's your turn. Thanks, Lynn, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Heard some great stuff. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to be on the line. And, you know, the title of the chapter is How It Works, and it is the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I remember when I first got uh, into recovery many years ago, I dated this guy, and when I opened up my big book in Chapter 5, because that's where I wanted to go also. I love that you know, because I wanted to start right here. He wrote right underneath the title of the uh, chapter, How It Works, he put just fine. You know, and the truth is, it does work just fine. But what am I doing to have this stuff happen in my life? You know, and, and you know, it's, it's all been said, rarely, seldom, not often, and initially it said never. And, um, you know, it thoroughly followed our path, you know, thoroughly with complete regard to detail. You know, if I'm not doing this thing completely, then I'm not getting this thing completely. You know, and it also says uh, this simple program, you know, easily understood. It does not say easily done. It says easily understood. You know, and all these words that I also had to look up, because I always think I know what, what a word means, but most times I don't. You know, incapable, unable, you know. And it says, and this is my favorite part, you know, it says that uh, they are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. You know, when I got here, you know, I wasn't taking, I didn't want to take hold of anything. I didn't want to change anything that I was doing, but I had to build. I had to build and I had to change the way that I was living, you know, and it had to start with being rigorously honest, you know, and initially with me because I lied to myself many, many times. And, um, you know, the rest of this chapter is just jewels. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Tina S. Okay, who else would like to share on what was read this morning? Nessa R. C. Carlisa C. Anyone else? Amy G. Not M. Okay, let me read who I have right now and see if I missed anybody. I've got Nessa R. Carlisa D. Amy G, Matt M. Okay, let's go with that lineup. Nessa, could you start us off, please, followed by Carlisa. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, the next three paragraphs, these three paragraphs in um, How It Works, tell us... um, um, the characteristics that a person has to have, uh, the actions that a person has to do in order to recover. 
He tells us, in a, in a negative way by saying, who does not recover, um, you know, by, um, I guess, consequence tells us who does recover. And the first, the first thing that a person has to do to recover is thoroughly follow us. You know, step one, powerlessness tells me where I am. Step two, power to me where I want to be. Step three tells me how to get there. And steps four through nine tells me what I actually have to do to get there. And steps 10, 11, and 12 tell me how to stay there. So, so how to get there? I have to thoroughly follow our path. And what is that? Thoroughly means completely, 100% in every detail. And the path, a path is a narrow walkway. You know, like think about, you know, the walkway from the street to your house. It's a very narrow path that if you step too much to uh, the left or to the right, you end up in the grass and not off, and off the path. And for me, um, uh, that is the case with, with recovery. Uh, that narrow path is putting the food down entirely, being entirely abstinent, and working the steps as outlined in this book without deviation, without adding, without taking away, without changing and modifying, but thoroughly exactly like, like it is outlined. Um, you know, we have read that God is, is a broad highway, and he is, because there, is, there are many conceptions of God, and, you know, whatever works for a person, that's, that's, what, that's what works. But the path to get to... to, to uh, to God is a narrow pathway for an addict like me. And as I just said, you know, that very narrow path com- was composed of two elements. Uh, number one, entire abstinence. And number two, uh, the steps of outline in this, in this little chip of a book. You know, if I do these two things, if I do these two things, I will thoroughly follow the path that was blazed by Bill W. and Bob Smith and the, and the first uh, 100 recovered alcoholic, alcoholics. And, you know, I always remember, you know, these people were uh, bottom of the barrel. This book actually was written for the bottom of the barrel. And if it can work for them, how much more so can it work for me and all of us here? So I just have to do one thing is thoroughly follow their path. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nessa. Thank you, Nessa R. Carlisa D., it's your turn, followed by Amy G. Good morning. Carlisa C. recovered from a hopeless, seemingly hopeless state of mind and being in Washington, D.C. Uh, thank you so much for your service. Um, to me, now is when uh, the rubber and the roads really start to meet. Um, as, as we've read over the last... Um, month or so, I've learned that I have to I have to really want to put down my substance, whatever however it's defined, in this case compulsive compulsively eating my trigger foods and compulsive eating behavior. But when I first came into into uh, fellowship, the only thing I knew for sure is that I had no power over sugar. I wanted to stop um, eating fat but could not. And when I put down fat and sugar, then I would pick up alcohol. That's what I knew for sure. And when I went to 
the God of my understanding, which for once was not me and my anger and, and self-will, I finally asked God to help me, help remove me from my this, uh, this utter powerlessness I felt. It was from those substances that I got immediate relief. But that immediate relief was just the, the beginning, beginning, because I also, there were things that I had to do. And the biggest thing I had to do is, is this starts with this word called honesty. I had to honestly look at my actions and behavior, thoughts, and feelings. And that uh, this book tells me that I can have an honest appraisal of those, my recovery on the four levels of being, which there are many more levels of being, but let's just talk physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, that I can expect some differences. I can expect to be relieved of a merciless obsession. If I need to release weight and want to be relieved of that bondage, I can expect that to happen. I can expect, these are promises throughout the book, I can expect to be restored to a mental state that is healthy and wholesome. I can expect to feel connected to a power greater than myself. These are all promises, expectations that I, I, have, I will get, but I have to be honest about the work I'm doing. You know, people call me all the time and say, I'm, I've done the vision work, but I'm not releasing weight. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I would stick around if that were the case for me. I mean, I have a right to expect that if I do what I say I'm going to do and with God's help, that I will be relieved from the bondage of weight uh, on all levels of being. And, if, and um, so that if I can, I call myself a recovered person, and, and, but I don't have one of these aspects of recovery, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, then, then that... Excuse me, time? Yes, please. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Carlisa. Amy G., it's your turn, and Matt M., you'll be next. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you so much for your service today and for an awesome meeting. Um, Harlan said it much better than I ever could, but it begs repeating this capacity to be honest and to be honest about what that's what begs the question and I agree wholeheartedly that it's specific in this as about who and what I am a compulsive overeater that's why I truly believe that how it works is at chapter five and not at chapter one we all want to know how it works but if I don't know what my problem is and I don't know what the solution is and I'm not desperate enough, then why am I going to work these steps? It talks about it in the end of step one in the AA 12 and 12. Who's going to want to do the house cleaning? Who's going to want to make amends? How is it, why am I going to want to do these things if I don't know at my gut that I am absolutely powerless? We just finished chapter five, uh, chapter four. We agnostic. I need to know that I am a compulsive overeater. Am I who I say I am? Do I believe that I have a disease? one of which that tells me I don't have a disease and that I can't fix it myself. And boy, I better find that higher power or I'm going to die of this disease. And how am I going to do that? Well, now they're going to show us how. They're going to show us the step work. But unless I believe that I am who I say I am and that I am powerless, there's no way I'm going to do all this work. At least that was the case for me. And I always, I love this chapter. It's my favorite chapter. And this paragraph I've heard in meetings is known as the terminal unique chapter. And 
Kim referenced it. There's so many of us, or at least in my experience, five years into OA going, well, I must be one of those constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself, so therefore the program's not going to work for me. I'm too sick. I'm too ill. I'm too. I'm the worst compulsive overeater there is out there, so therefore this program is not going to work for me. And what I found out, that the only thing that stood in the way of my willingness to give myself to this program and my capacity to be honest was me and my willingness to surrender to this program, to make that choice to surrender to this program and do the action steps that were necessary, and that it was going to take some work. And that I was going to have to be uncomfortable, but I had to be willing. I mean, even for those of us who are willing, if you go a couple paragraphs down, it goes that some of these steps we balked. You know, this is the path for me that I had to choose that I would do no matter what. And just a quick quick note on the, the grave emotional disorders. You know, I've been blessed to be able to sponsor many people over the years, and I have to say, even with myself, we don't come into this program on a high note, and many of us come in duly addicted with many disorders. I came in with a whopping case of depression myself, but the reality is is that if we're willing to take action, many of us do recover. We do recover regardless of what the other issues are, even if they be grave. We have the capacity to be honest. Why? Because when I surrendered I tapped into a power beyond my wildest imagination. Through the process of working the 12 steps, I found a way of life that allowed me to deal with all of these things, not only put the food down happily, but to deal with everything else as well. It is beyond our wildest dreams, and we're just starting to learn about it in this chapter, and it's so exciting. My favorite chapter, can you tell? (laughs) And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy M. Matt M., it's your turn. Thank you, Lance. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt. I'm a compulsive over here from New Jersey. You know, as Harlan says in one of his special editions, that's one of the two victims that go by the wayside when I first started picking up my disease and started compulsive reading was the truth. Honesty is never something that I still struggle with sometimes because I, was, I feel like I was born a pathological liar. I've learned to lie to, to lie to keep myself safe from my family the way I was raised, and I've learned how to keep myself safe from others by lying. And it doesn't serve me anymore because the lie, when people find out I'm lying, they don't trust me. The truth is so much better no matter how much it may hurt. And uh, the, it is true what they say. The truth will set you free, you know. Um, thoroughly followed our path. You know, I've been up and down, left and right in this program, and I really forgot what the main purpose is, is to be honest with myself. Do I really want this? Do I really want to be here? I can say that I want to, but do my actions show the same thing that I want that's coming out of my mouth? Actions speak louder than words, and uh, I, I, I believe I'm one of those people who were, were unconsciously incapable of being honest with themselves. But now, just for today, I'm willing to get honest with myself and, and keep my head above water by taking the steps actually and actions needed every day, by praying and meditating every day, by working the steps with a sponsor, calling my sponsor, calling others in the program, you know, using the tools with the book, with the big book, reading the big book every day, and uh, learning to get out of my own way and just staying, staying healthy one day at a time. The weight will take care of itself as long as I take care of myself mentally and spiritually. You know, this is a spiritual program of action, and it's not always easy for me to face because I still struggle sometimes with the concept of a higher power. If I don't believe that I have one, I just believe sometimes, but I believe sometimes that I'm not connected with it. It's a struggle, but just for today, I'm willing to put myself out there and say, listen, this is who I am, and take it or leave it, and I'm just grateful I'm here today with that old pass. And thank you, Madam. Who else would like to share on what was read this morning? Rochelle M. 
story, there was somebody there, but I couldn't catch the name. Rochelle M. Yeah, I got that. Is there anybody else? Laura H. I think that was Laura H. Anyone else? Okay, Rochelle, would you like to start off for us? Thank you. This is Rochelle M. in Maryland. Thank you for your service. Um, I, I find this paragraph moving. I'm especially struck by the use of the word honesty. It's got, it occurs three times in that paragraph. It occurs about six lines in from the top of the paragraph and capable of being honest with themselves. And then again, about five lines down, uh, a manner of living which requires rigorous honesty. And then at the very end, they have the capacity to be honest. So it's so interesting because in my life for program, I have developed three different kinds of honesty. Just I got three mentions in this paragraph. The first one was honesty with myself. That is not to not to lie to myself about who I am. The second one was being honest with myself and my creator. And the, that was not hiding and, and having a relationship. And the third one is to be honest between myself and other people. And I find that um, this characteristic of being honest is so important because if it were not for honesty, I would have no integrity. I would have no integrity to be able to do this program, weigh, measure my food, relationships with others, relationship with my higher power. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Rochelle M. And was it Laura A. or Laura H.? Hi, this is Laura H. in Chicago. Thanks, Laura. Sorry, I'm having uh, trouble with my phone. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lynn, for your uh, service. Good morning, everyone. Vision for you. What a great paragraph. Um, I came into program three years ago. I weighed close to 350 pounds. My weight release to date uh, is 120 pounds. And I I don't know how else to describe the awe that I'm in right now of feeling completely transformed. Um, I don't understand it necessarily. I just know that I have to follow the directions. And when I first read this paragraph, um, because it's at at all the meetings, um, I kind of felt comforted at first, you know, in my 300-pound body, because they're saying, despite all of these things, we, you know, you can recover if you're honest. And then there was part of me, you know, good cop, bad cop, that felt, oh, great, I'm going to be the one who can't be honest. So I'm going to be in trouble. It's not going to work for me. And so, you know, that was the truth of how I felt when this paragraph was read. I love the fact there's some compassion there. They say, you know, they are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. And to go on, this very popular line, naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. And for me, I was the biggest liar. I was a, you know, a true addict, lie, cheat, and steal. And mostly I lied to myself. I broke chairs in dining room, you know, parties. I, you know, fell to the, you know, earth and would say, oh, these chairs are old and rickety. You know, I, I lied about everything. And I lied to myself. And, you know, this disease, it, it, it's cunning and it's baffling 
and it is trying to kill me. I did have the gift of desperation, so that was very, I'm very grateful for that. But as it goes on to say, who suffer grave emotional and mental disorders, the one thing I do remember is kind of rolling my eyes in my 300-pound body saying, are you kidding me? I definitely have grave emotional problems. Why would I be this weight? Why can't I put the food down? So, so there's some real, you know, an uncovering, an unearthing that when we read through these, these lines, it, it's, as a newcomer, when I first heard these words, it, it was hope, and at the same time, it was scary, but you do it anyway. You do it anyway. And I'm so grateful to be here today on these lines and grateful that you're all there. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lori. Who else would like to share with you this morning? Cynthia C. Anyone else? Cynthia C. I've got Cynthia C. Was there someone else? Terry M. Terry M. Julia. Julia. Carolyn H. Carolyn H. Ellen C.G. Sorry, I missed that last name. Ellen C.G. Ellen C.G. Okay, let's see how we do with that lineup. We have Cynthia C., Terry M., Julie F., Carolyn H., and Ellen C.G. Cynthia, would you like to start for us, please? Thank you very much. May I be heard? Yes, we can hear you. Thanks. Thank you. This is Cynthia C., good addict and compulsive overeater. Um, I love this chapter, too. Um, and thank you for everybody's service, and thank you for everybody sharing. Um, this meeting is amazing. Um, you know, I think about honesty, and I think about honesty. It makes me think of, like, the movie Shrek and the peeling of the onions and the layers, because I think honesty for me comes in different layers. Um, you know, when I first came into program many years ago, I was not, I was not a very honest person in many ways. Um, it was a big fear of mine that I would not be honest, and I was fulfilling that. Um, you know, and I, and by working the steps of the program that I, um, that I learned to, to not, to not out, you know, to, I learned to let go of a lot of the lies to myself and to other people. But then I stepped out of program for quite a few years and I realized that some of those lies come back. You know, if I'm, if I'm not abstinent and I'm not working the steps, then my old self doesn't go away. It's right there. It's right there just waiting to jump out. Um, you know, and now that I'm back in program and I'm working the steps and I can see there's different layers of honesty. Like there's the first one about not lying, the basic honesty, but then there's levels of honesty of how honest am I with myself, you know, how am I honest with myself about weighing and measuring my food? Am I honest with myself about my behavior towards my husband or children? Am I honest with myself about my character defects at work? Am I, you know, am I... Am I asking God to remove these? Am I doing a, you know, a fourth step, an attempt step? Am I, you know, how honest am I being to myself and to other people? And that is a, a level of honesty and learning that this program has given me and that I continue to learn on a daily basis. Um, and I learn from all of you. Um, so I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful that there is 
there, there are amazing promises to be had if we continue to work the steps and put our faith in our higher power. So thank you, I'll pass. Okay, <clears throat> this is Janice. Perhaps we, um, you know, poor Lynn is still having trouble. So let's go to Terry M. Terry, it's your turn. Who was that who just shared? <clears throat> Cynthia C. Thank you. Okay, Terry, it's your turn. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Mm. Um, you know, uh, in this um, reading of the admitting and being constitutionally incapable um you know i i just uh had a problem i mean at first when i went to away many years ago i didn't understand anything but later i uh, found myself um not in face-to-face meetings um you know hating even to admit it uh, when you say your name i'm terry i'm a compulsive overeater and uh, it was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't bring myself to say that. And I just have a little weight problem uh, or I'm a little overweight right now or, or whatever it was that I would tell myself because, um, you know, before really, really getting this and, and knowing what we do to ourselves, I mean, what I do to myself with my mind is just incredible. And then I... I remember going not too not too long ago, but um, to a doctor because of back problems, and and he he labeled uh, when he came back he put obese, and when I saw obese in black and white, I, I was like livid, and I'm like, is he kidding me, obese? And uh, you know, just seeing those words from a medical doctor, and it's just like. Um, constitutionally incapable, the mind uh, won't accept it. And, you know, it has nothing to do with being intelligent or whatever. It's just something that uh, I do, I I don't know, to not accept the truth. But, you know, I've seen the the ad around here in Miami for Gamblers Anonymous, and the 